day 211. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we're here in the book of Ezekiel, starting with Ezekiel 17 this morning. And one of the things I do want to say, once again, we say it periodically throughout the podcast, man, make sure you're reading these chapters because you will probably be lost, right? It just won't make sense if you're not. And uh, yeah, Ezekiel in particular is one of the more obscure books uh, in the scriptures. And so uh, having the word in front of you is super, super helpful. All right. So Last time we ended off talking about how Israel was compared and presented as an unfaithful spouse, right? So Ezekiel 16 is this long uh, parable that Ezekiel is going to give. And he's talking about the abandonment of the covenant that had had been established between Yahweh and Israel. And it's like they had prostituted themselves with other gods and they were unfaithful in this marriage that Yahweh had established. And so here we continue with these parables and Ezekiel is just turning them out. And here he's going to talk about these two eagles and this vine. So the first eagle is going to represent Babylon, who took Israel into captivity. And the second eagle is going to represent Egypt. And, you know, this first eagle is going to take, yeah, uh, Israel uh, back to its own city. And then Egypt is going to be this um, town who comes and tries to help Israel. And it doesn't, yeah, go well. So it says this uh, in Ezekiel 17. The word of the Lord came to me. Now say to this rebellious House, don't you know what these things mean? Tell them the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, that's the first eagle, took its kings and officials and brought them back with him to Babylon. He took one of the royal family and made a covenant with him, putting him under oath. Then he took away the leading men of the land so that the kingdom would humble and not exalt itself, but would keep his covenant in order to endure. However, this king revolted against him by sending his ambassadors to Egypt so that they might give him horses and a large army. Will he flourish? Will the one who does such things escape? Can he break a covenant and still escape? In other words, God's people have been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon, and the thing they try to do is they seek to use their own ingenuity to save themselves from judgment, right? They try to do this by making an alliance with Egypt in order that they might be saved from the judgment of Babylon. And God is saying, listen, there is no salvation outside of me right? There is no salvation outside of me. I am the means by which my people receive help, receive rescue, receive salvation. If they had only, God will say, humbled themselves and not exalted themselves, I would have turned. I would have helped them. And so he says that same is true for us today. There's no way to save ourselves. There's no way to eradicate our sin, right? Other than God. Ezekiel 18, comes and he's going to talk about this fact that yo like let me keep it a buck what you like everybody is responsible for their own sin so what's interesting here is that in the context of chapter 18 some of the israelites had brought to god a complaint that he was being unjust for charging them for their parents sin right so in other words what ezekiel is saying here is do not get it twisted right like don't don't get it twisted God is just, right? Each of you will be charged for his own sinfulness and each person will be paid according to his own righteousness. And so, you know, in verse 20, he's going to sum it up. It says the person who sins will die, right? The person who sins will die. 
A son won't suffer punishment for the father's iniquity and a father won't suffer punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous person will be on him and the wickedness of the wicked person will be on him. Then he turns around and says, but if the wicked person turns from all the sins he has committed, keeps all my statues and does what is just and right, he will certainly live. He will not die. In other words, what Ezekiel is saying is that, man, like everybody is responsible to God for their own sin. At the end of time, we all will stand before the throne of judgment and have to give an account for our own lives. But he says, yo, God doesn't want perfect people. All he wants is repentant people, right? God is just, but he is also merciful, right? Many of us want justice, but we also don't know how to combine that with mercy. But God does, and he ultimately shows that at the cross of Christ, where he is just and he punishes humanity's sin, but he's also merciful in that we don't receive the punishment. Um, Christ does in our place Um, 19 comes and basically pretty short lament it's a lament of Israel's kings leading up to the exile so again he's going to say like yo man like this is not because of your ancestors but this is because of the folks who were in power at the time of the exile Jehoahaz Jehoiakim Jehoiachin and Zedekiah were the kings of Israel leading up to the exile and this chapter is basically pointing out that the house of David the um the line of kings descending from him fell right because of the sinfulness of the recent kings and god is saying man from the least to the greatest everyone once again is held accountable nobody gets a pass for wickedness because of their standing in society right like all stand on equal footing before the god of israel and i think that's a word for us today in that man regardless of our gifts regardless of our position regardless of our status Everybody has to be held accountable. Finally, Ezekiel 20. Um, But basically, we just have Ezekiel here giving a recap of Israel's history. And it follows a very, very simple structure, right? Yahweh is going to do something for his people. He's going to give them a rule. The people rebel. Yahweh wants to destroy them, but he relents, right? He relents for his name's sake for his own reputation for his own glory for his own name he doesn't he spares them he doesn't destroy them and ezekiel reminds the people that this isn't listen he says y'all are guilty of this but this isn't a new innovation right like they aren't seeing some just aberration that just happened uh, happened by happenstance in their time but the people of israel have been guilty of this for generation after generation and man at the end of the day, though, like Ezekiel is going to say, man, like as I live the declaration of the Lord God, I will reign over you with a strong hand and outstretched arm and outport wrath. I will bring from the peoples and gather you from the countries where you were scattered with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and outport wrath. I will lead you into the wilderness of the peoples and enter into judgment with you there face to face. Just as I enter into judgment with your ancestors in the wilderness of the land of Egypt. So I will enter into judgment with you. This is the declaration of the Lord God. God is going to echo, man, back to the Exodus and uses that language to say that, man, as sinful as y'all are and as faithful as you guys have been and behave, your sin won't have the last word. Exile will not be the closing act of this story of this story exodus will salvation will god is going to tell these israelites and he's telling us that his mercy grace and power are more potent 
and enduring than our sin could ever be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, just the way you override our sin with your grace. Uh, our sin is strong, but your grace and mercy is stronger. Help us, help us to rest in that grace today and serve you from hearts that realize what you've done for us in Christ. It's in Christ's name we pray.